The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. Positive Talk Radio. I know, I just finished one, but this one was so, is so good that I have to do this one as well. And uh, uh, by the way, I have to ask you, Anne, what did you think of that new opening? That was fantastic. So impressed. Uh, tell her that was amazing. Love it, love it, love it. I, I, I tell you, she does a really, really nice job, just like really? you do in your chosen field. So Anne Scotland is with us today, and she, she's been on the show before. And so I feel like that we've become, I don't know, close and personal friends. Yes. We can talk about almost anything now. Yes, yes. So I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. What oh, do you want to know? Gosh, <laughs> there's so many things, right? I know. Well, first of all, let's reference your website, which is Anne, which is uh, Anne Scotland, S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N.com. Go there. The genius of joy in your job is she works with that. She's got a book out that is that is really it's the um, it's got joy in it, too. Um, the, uh, yes, what's the book is Live for Joy. Live oh, for Joy. You can see that on Amazon. Um, you can also find it on my website. There's a book tab there. You can check it out. Live for Joy. Um, very beautiful and inspirational book. And you've also got the Power of Joy Institute. Apparently, joy is a is a favorite word of yours. Joy is a favorite word of mine. Yes, I figured there's so many alternatives, right? <laughs> yeah, but none of them are as good as as cool as joy. There's so many alternatives and. And that's why I love talking to you, Kevin, and I love that Positive Talk Radio is a thing uh, because we get so much negative news, so much unhappiness. And um, I was just reading an article today about, um, about Gen Z and the levels of anxiety and sadness that they're experiencing. <clears throat> now, part, and, pardon my ignorance, but what is Gen Z? Is that, is that the kids growing up today? Yes. Yeah, so Gen Z, now you're going to put me on the spot. I'm not going to get it quite right. But basically, they were born after the year 2000. Uh, and do you know what? Some of them can vote now. Yes, they can. <laughs> and um, yes, they can. And there's That's obviously a really frightening thought that somebody born after 9-11 can actually vote. That is a frightening thought. Yes, indeed. It is. Indeed. It is. But um, I love these. I love this generation. I really do. And obviously there's an overlap, right? No one's like fits perfectly into the category. Some millennials and Gen Z and they kind of run together. <clears throat> but um, I really love this young generation. Um, they have a huge heart for the world. Yes. Um, they care so much more about things like um, human, human rights, human interests, um, the environment, um, protection of animals and a lot less uh, driven by the brand of car they drive or whether or not they own their house. There's just a, a very different kind of mentality uh, driving half their parents to distraction because they're not like going to go do the doctor lawyer thing because they want to pursue something they're passionate about or because they decided not to go to college and their parents are losing their minds or <laughs> <laughs> um, but these kids kind of um, I call them kids and I don't even want to do that because I deeply respect them as humans adults um, as very intelligent they're also very sensitive and I was just reading an article today um, with social media and everything else they get They've grown up on Instagram and all the other platforms, literally grown up on it. And the the negative influences of media, news, social media, you can't open anything without seeing, you know, what's new with COVID or what's new with the war. Um, 
really pulls them down. I think they have some sense of responsibility, but like the world is so broken, they don't know how to fix it. Yeah. So that's just one group where I like to bring up the conversation of joy because you have to balance it out, right? <laughs> you can't be joyful every moment of the day necessarily, but finding perspective that brings you joy instead of just focusing on what brings you down is a, a great place to start. And it is very hard to find positive places where you can, without without the negativity that goes with it. He, 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 I watch. I used to be a news junkie. I can't watch the news like me I used too. To. It, it's just it's too frustrating. It's too disheartening. It's it just doesn't make any sense to me. But you are right with the kids because when I was driving my bus and there were kids, they they have a whole different viewpoint about who you love. They don't care. And, and if what color you are or what nationality you are or what your background is, I was listening to two 14 year old girls a couple of years ago, and they, they were talking about a common boy that they knew. And they said, and so what is he rather than, rather than saying, is he white or black? It was, what is he? Well, he's Jamaican and he's Puerto Rican and he's got this and he's got some white and said, Oh, that's why his complexion looks so good. Was that that was the sum total of what they thought about the the color of his skin was that yeah was it was it was it how how nice his skin was and the tone it would mm-hmm. be great in a in a, in a um, yellow swimsuit kind of you know that kind of thing yeah so they have a different viewpoint of it all yeah no they do they have um, a much more compassionate open viewpoint at least as a whole the majority. Um, around sexual preference, around, you know, doesn't matter the color of your skin. They've grown up in a much more integrated society, many of them at least, than their parents did, and have just a deeper mutual respect for, they really like to get to know humans. They're very, very social. They're very interested in people. And and yet, uh, social media is one of those things that is not inherently wrong, but I read in this article today that the average teenager spends um, five hours on social media a day. Oh, you're kidding. And while their parents are like, oh, well, they're on their phone, not on just like watching TV or playing video games. So, you know, what's the difference? But um, a lot of that is solo time as opposed to social time, Uh, as opposed to let's go hang out and play video games, all four of us. Uh, let's go to the theater with your friends and watch movie. So there's a, a weird sense of isolation, even in a time when the exchange of information and the ability, the number of people you could technically know virtually is unlimited. Oh, yeah. I, I have to mention this because I just saw this the other day. Uh, I was going by a like a Whole Foods and okay. they have a, a little pla- a patio up front. And they have seats in, the, in there where people oh, can yeah. sit down. And well, this mother had um, it was doing a really nice thing, and she brought some ice cream sundaes for the kids. And she had one, and they were sitting at one of the outside tables. And as I was walking by, she was buried into her phone, and the kids were just sitting there. And I was thinking to myself, "What a goofball! What a great opportunity!" to get to know your kids and to have a nice conversation and to put the damn phone down for a minute so that the kids realize that they are more important than what's in your Facebook feed. Right. Right. And yet the phone has taken such control of our lives and it's a credibly instrumental tool that it's hard to know. You know, maybe she was Started getting set up for an interview for a job. You never know. That's and that's true. why it's so easy, I think, to, it's very easy for adults to judge kids and yeah. vice versa, like what we're doing with our phones. And I think, you know, the phones make it easier now to at least know how many hours of screen time. You can look down your own phone and see how many hours of screen time. My, my husband and I sort of compete to see who's got less hours of screen time on our phones. You mean there's a, there's a way? To oh, it's tracking you, my friend. <laughs> You can look it up in settings and find out what's the, and you can find out what platforms you spend the most time on. So of those hours per day or average per week, how many hours were on Facebook, how many hours were on this or that or the other. So it's very interesting. Um, 
you know what's really frightening about that is that they know more information than you really want them to and so it's like i will look for podcasting gear or a different microphone and suddenly in my feed shows up all these advertising the advertisements for microphones or head headsets and all that kind of stuff it's like they know well, they know there now, are people whose full-time job is doing that oh yeah no what's really scary what always gets my husband i've kind of given up i've just figured you know I mean, within reason, it's whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Progress is progress. And I have other things to focus on, like joy and not paranoia about who's got what information. But right. that's just a personal choice. That's not the same for everyone. But what really gets him is when we're on my computer looking at um, life jackets, because I kayak, right? So looking at life jackets. He and I, he's watching me. I'm looking, surfing my computer for life jackets. And when we sit down after dinner on his phone, he opens his phone and the first thing he sees is an ad for a life jacket. <laughs> then he starts freaking out a little bit. <laughs> it's like, how did they know I was actually in the room with you while you were looking at it? <laughs> but yes, so it's a blessing and a curse. That's for sure. Um, so you, you're, you are a kayaker? I am. Not what a whitewater kayaker. Um, I did back in the day take... I did take lessons, whitewater kayaking. I did a few trips. Um, some um, landed the front page of the local paper when I was uh, taking the lessons. <laughs> it was kind of fun. <laughs> you know, you have to learn how to spin the thing. You have to flip it so that if you go upside down in the water by accident, you can right yourself. Oh. Um, and you're in that gasket that holds you in whitewater. So it, I had a picture of me flipping it in my hair and the water coming off the end of my hair, like in a big arc when I was coming up the other side. <laughs> but uh, whitewater cracking, really beautiful, but a little more of an extreme sport than I was interested in. And I've already, you know, already had some injuries from other sports and I decided it wasn't the one I wanted to add more injuries, risks of that. So I opted for, you know, for uh, open kayaking. So, you know, um, sea kayaking, river kayaking, lake kayaking, these smooth, smoother versions of kayaking. Um, yes, absolutely. I find it just the most wonderful, tranquil experience. I love it. Well, one of these days you're going to have to come up to my neck of the woods because Puget Sound is a great place to kayak, as is Lake Washington. I will have to. And you know, right, that I was born right there. Yes. Um, I grew up canoeing on Puget Sound, but my parents weren't particularly kayakers at the time. So, um, yeah, we used to go canoeing a lot. I remember my dad taking me out uh, and, uh, you know, waiting for it to get dark, which was past my bedtime, but we were camping or whatever, even though we lived in Seattle, um, so that I could uh, go out and see the phosphorescence. So when you paddle and you see the, those little organisms that light, that turn, that light up the water, uh -huh. um, phosphorescence is absolutely amazing. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the aurora borealis, but in the water. And when you move the paddle, it lights up and you can see it. It's pretty phenomenal to remember as a little kid, just being like, wow. Wow, that's a, that's awesome. So when are you moving back? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I do love it. I do love it. Um, yeah, I think my goal is to live, well, right now, like today, I'm actually in Idaho. So I'm up in the mountains in Idaho. And um we have a place there that we spend a lot of our time up near the lake. It's 5,000 feet and skiing and all the winter sports, cross-country skiing in the winter, uh, kayaking, um, hiking, mountain biking, uh, water skiing in the summer. So it's, it's easy to be active. I love the Pacific Northwest. You put me almost anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. That's uh, a happy place to be. <laughs> and you not only get to do all of that, you must be, obviously, you're physically fit and you take care of yourself and your husband does too. Yeah. And so you have a good time with it. That's awesome. Oh, it's so much fun. And it, you know what? It's so much fun exploring life with another person whose company you enjoy. Now, I'm an emotional wellness specialist, so I don't also pretend to say that I never, that I always get along with my husband 100% of the time because I don't. <laughs> Let's just be honest. That's where my technique starts. Let's just be honest, first of all, and quit pretending that everybody's, you know, somebody's perfect just because they're teaching, right? So, but um, I do love and adore him. And we have so much fun. Our best times are really either traveling uh, in general or doing stuff out in nature together. And um, 
you know, we don't have kids, we have three dogs and that's just how we have fun is I can't think of a better thing to be out in nature with someone you care about, friend, significant other, family member, whatever that is, um, a dog, if you're lucky, that is for me, that's my little slice of heaven. Exactly. And, uh, so there are lots of people that are married to people that maybe they shouldn't be, or, or they have troubles with themselves and, and the trouble with their marriage. How do you, how do you teach or help people work towards living in joy when they're maybe in a relationship that's less than like yours is a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And even so you have arguments from time to time, you have disagreements from time to time. Mm-hmm. You won't close his damn mouth when he's chewing uh, or, or the popcorn is too loud. <laughs> Or I'm trying to go to sleep like you when you're snoring. <laughs> Boy, this man has insight. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's only because of all those things have happened to me. One time uh, when, when I was married, we were in bed and I was sleeping. And I remember my uh, wife grabbing my head and pushing it forward <laughs> to the point that where I, because she thought that would give me to quit snoring. Did you stop snoring? <laughs> I, I would have stopped breathing. So I think she was trying to strangle me, but that's, that's the first time. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't a pillow over your head, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, see, and that's, that's the thing is when you're snoring, you don't know that you're snoring. Mm-mm. Apparently I do once in a while and he always gets quite a kick out of it because he's the snorer. And uh, whenever I snore, he loves to tease me about it because I'm like, but I don't snore all the time. He's like, that's what makes it so funny. Cause when you do so loud and obnoxious, but uh, yeah, but you know, it's true about relationships, you know, not being perfect. And I think that's one of those things around joy, around emotional wellness is learning that in order to really live in your joy is also kind of accepting that life is never going to be perfect or ideal. Uh, I think a hundred years ago, people had a much better grasp of that. Because people, you were lucky if most of your children survived the age of two. Uh, You were lucky if sometimes, and depending on your circumstance, if if people were living past 50 or 60, depending on where you were located and what you you had as far as medical and nutrition, um, people kind of knew that "Mm," happens in life. And they weren't surrounded with the kind of the inundation of marketing and idealism and, you know, the perfect bodies of the perfect couple on the perfect trip, drinking the perfect glass of wine. But, you know, like it, it, it just, we've kind of become, you know, FOMO or fear of missing out, (laughs) which is a much more modern term. Oh, say that again. FOMO? FOMO, fear of missing out. That's the social media term for um, a condition basically of people feeling that their life kind of sucks because they see all their friends on social media and the people they follow, friends and influencers, living these what seem to be perfect lives, not showing the arguments, not showing the eating disorders, not showing, just showing everything being glamorous and all the makeup being perfect and the vacations being perfect. And the person who's looking at that says, God, my life does not look like that. I must just be a complete loser. So fear of missing out is something's wrong with me because I don't have her life. I don't have his life. But, but how do you know? Because you don't, you're not with them 24, seven, seven days a week. And some, and isn't it true that a lot of those people who are striving to put off this air of perfection, that, that they're very insecure? Sometimes. I think it's I think it's a fine line, right? And that's partly why I like to be really authentic in my work. Um, I do live a joyful life, and I like sharing that. Say with my followers, I have you know over one hundred ten thousand followers on Twitter, and I don't know twenty five or twenty seven thousand on Instagram. And so I do share those positive things in my life, but I also like to share the real stuff. One of my podcasts, uh, in my one on one work, when I'm you know training and working with groups, like let's talk about real life. Let's not make it all about the fantasy. I mean, I enjoy getting up and getting dressed and looking nice in the morning. There's nothing wrong with that. But I also want to like make sure other people know that I'm, that, that we're real human beings. So don't just pretend that everything is perfect all the time. And, and that goes back to your original question, which I just, I just want to touch on. So before we move past that, which was relationships, you know, how, you know, relationships are not ideal and I'm divorced as well. So this is my second marriage. It wasn't what I thought would happen in my life. I got married at 21, very young. And, um, you know, it, 
seemed like the perfect, perfect dream. And it did not. It kind of ended in, you know, a nightmare. And that was not what I envisioned was going to happen in my life. And it was very disillusioning because you felt like, hey, you know, I really gave life a shot. I kind of obeyed the rules. I, you know, I was a good wife. I was responsible. It's my personality. I'm type A firstborn Capricorn, you know, like I'm a rule follower. I'm just that kind of kind of person. I'm trying to learn, but to break the rules. But I'm the baby of the family and we're totally opposite. Okay. So you got that. Right. So, yeah. So it's like, oh, wait, you know, I went, you know, I didn't do the partying so I could study and get good grades and that's supposed to pay off. Like things aren't supposed to go completely dramatically wrong. And for different people that happens in different ways. Um, It could be loss of, you know, a marriage. It could be loss of their health. You know, they come up, they end up having a disease that they never expected or the loss of a a child or a family member. I mean, life is so unpredictable. Um, So what you can, but the beauty of it is um, being true to yourself is really the answer. Cause you asked what, how do you, how do you find your joy when you know, you're in a relationship that is really pulling you down. And I think that answer really differs from person to person because it's really about what is, what is being true to yourself mean to you? I'm a firm believer that we're here to have fun. And and we're here, (laughs) we're here to have a good time and also to be kind to others and to, and to help other people. And it's really interesting because I look back now that I'm a little longer in the tooth <laughs> and have got a little bit of history, I can I can see timelines and why things happened in my past that, that happened. And, and like in high school, I played sports. That's what I wanted to do. I was a horrible. Did I say horrible student? I was <laughs> horrible. I, I, and um, I wanted to go play basketball and I wanted to play uh, and I wanted to go with my girlfriend and I didn't want to study. That was the last thing on my mind. And everybody said, Oh, he's going to be a rock and ruined. He's not going to live as he's going to be in the gutter by his 20. And, and everything turned out fine. I, I got out of high school and I went and got a job. I had a work ethic. I worked hard. I, I and I went into management and I went into district management and I, I had a real full. And then I did this and then I busted. So I've had a real full life. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter of doing the homework, going to school, going to college, getting a career that you're supposed to know what you want to do when you're 22 years old. I couldn't tell you. I, I had no idea. And most 22-year-olds don't. Uh, No. And I think, you know, and that's a huge pressure on this age group, as we were just talking about as well. And I don't want to diverge completely from the other relationship conversation, but the pressure to get into college and the pressure to get into specific schools is um, really intense. And they don't always know what they want to do. Their parents, you know, tell them what they want to do, but the kids aren't sure. Oh, yeah. How can you know... What you want to do if you have no life experience to see what it is that it's all about. It's just, it's, it's just really hard. Um, everything okay over there? <laughs> I'm recording from my home studio today and my three mini schnauzers, apparently the UPS man just came. So I was trying to spare you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's all right. That's life. That's, they're that's my real. life. Yes. And they're so sweet. They're three, three rescues. So precious. The The newest one is nine years old. We just got him a couple months ago. Oh, um, oh I don't want to change the subject, but yeah. I'm interested in doing that. How, oh, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm nervous about getting a nine year old dog sure. that has been around for a while and has got all of these habits and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're in a rescue is because probably at least part of it is because of those habits. How do you, how did you work through that? Sure. And has the dog turned out to be okay? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And I have three very different rescues with very different backgrounds. So I think I can and there I've had at least four rescues. So I could say with a small amount of certainty kind of, you know, what you're looking at. So, um, yes, there are dogs that have challenging issues. Uh, A lot of that is because they had owners with issues. So we want to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And also just because they're older or set in their ways doesn't necessarily mean they're not. Uh, a spectacular animal 
it's shocking if you haven't really done this before, you know, um, people will just surrender their dogs for the strangest reason. Like, oh, we're moving to, we're moving across the country and we just don't want to have to deal with it. And the dog is, you know, seven and has been a really great part of their family. And they're like, yeah, we're just not going to keep it. And they take it to the pound. And it's such a confusing, the dog is not necessarily a bad dog. It's just that people see animals very differently. Some people see animals as a toy or uh, entertainment or something that makes them look good, but they're not, you know, other people see animals as an intimate part of their family circle. There's a very different sort of relationship in that. So this older dog, for example, um, so he wasn't a traditional rescue. He was rehomed. So I would say I would introduce that phrase into the conversation because I love talking about dogs because <laughs> dogs bring me a lot of joy. There you are. Um, so he was rehomed. He was in a family for, you know, nine, eight and a half year, nine years. Um, he from puppyhood, uh, hand raised, very sweet, affectionate dog does have a barking problem because he was left at home all day, every day while they were at work. And he was all alone and trying to entertain himself, I'm sure. Um, uh, that was it, though. No aggression. Uh, no, really no other bad habits. Really good dog, really well trained. And they had some they had some sort of catastrophic events happen within their family where they just couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep him. And so, um, you know, if you put your feelers out, if there's a particular breed you're interested in or a particular area that you're interested in finding a dog, you can reach out to some of your, your local um, rescues, um, like breed rescues, like if it's a golden retriever or mini schnauzer, or just rescues in general, or and ask about, you know, if you know any dogs that are waiting to be rehomed so they don't have to land in the pound, and you know who knows is going to get them when it's rehomed. The difference is you tend you more or less get to interview the family that it's coming from, and they get to interview you. Okay. It's more of like an adoption from family to family, if you will. It's a little different as opposed to a dog you know nothing about that was dropped off in a box at the pound, has no history, no idea what their family was like, no idea whether they lived with kids or not. Nothing. You just don't know. Um, and I care about those dogs too. So there's different kinds of adoption. The only thing I don't want to get another dog for is because when I lose them, I, I'll go to hell. Uh, when, when I have to put them down, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing. I'm but, with you, but I've been on the bandwagon for you to get a dog now for, for a while. Uh, you, we have talked about this before. Have we not? Briefly, briefly. Well, here's the thing. And I don't think I shared this before, but if I did, I'll just tell me. So uh, I had my I had a yellow Labrador um, from practically high school on, and um, he lived in like got him as a puppy. He lived a full life. He's my best friend. You know, boyfriends come and go, husband came and went. He was still my best friend. <laughs> Moved across the country with him, literally just so attached. And when when his time finally came, and he did live to a good old age and and went in a really good way, but he. Yeah, I was absolutely devastated. I was happy for him because I didn't want him to linger on and suffer or anything like that. Right. Um, so I was at peace with his passing, which is really interesting. But I've obviously I grieved. Uh, but I was like, no, I don't want another dog for like five years, 10 years. Like, I just can't possibly handle that. And for the next six months, um, not in the context of thinking about my past dog, I was just really severely depressed. And um, just couldn't put my finger on it. Nothing was particularly wrong at work. Nothing was particularly wrong in my relationships. Nothing was particularly wrong. I was just really down and really blue. And it wasn't like I was just crying myself to sleep every night about my, my dear friend, dog, that would pass. And then accidentally stumbled across a dog that needed a home. Like literally went to someone's house and there was a dog in the backyard that they'd found with no tags, no chip, that they couldn't keep. And uh, I was quite concerned about the dog because they weren't really you know, in a place to take on that into their family. <laughs> and, and my husband, I said, I'm going to take him down to the pet store and at least get him a bath because they were kind of covered in mud and had fleas. That's like, maybe we'll just foster them for, and just until we know, I just want to make sure it goes to a really good family. <laughs> well, oh, famous last word. You know how that goes. <laughs> so can I just say though, within seven to 10 days, my depression disappeared. And I Dogs just realized do that, for you. that I need a dog in my life. 
Or, and, or in, uh, in, as Heather will say, all her rescue cats, she's a cat lady, they're <laughs> all her babies. They all Aww. have different personalities and background stories and have been easily trained and are very loving. That's good Aww. news. I'm glad that's, totally that's the case. News. Yes. And you know what? It's one of those things where we're all on this planet together, right? Yep. Um, disappointment, sadness, grieving is an inevitable part of living. It's just like, oh, I never want to get married, someone might say, because I don't want to risk having a divorce, you know, or I don't want right. to fall in love because what if I get my heart broken or I don't want to get, you know, a pet because obviously they're going to usually pass before I am. But we're in this together. And when you start living for joy instead of out of the fear of suffering, it shifts things a little bit. Because you start to realize that your focus is around the celebration of life. And even when you cry or even when you grieve, um, it changes that. It's more of a gratitude for the good as opposed to devastation. I mean, I still cry. I cry easily around animals, but I think we need each other. That's something my husband would say, bless him. He's like, because we have one little rescue who was very tough. She was, um, I don't like to use this phrase loosely, but she was a severe PTSD kind of case. Um, so off the charts anxiety that we couldn't touch her for six months. Um, she couldn't walk through doors. She couldn't walk outside because I don't think she'd ever been out of a crate. She couldn't walk on a leash. She basically would just kind of shake and pee all the time. Like she was just terrified. It was just horrible. We almost wondered if it was like, you know, worth her life, like be living like this. And uh, he's like, well, she needs us and we need her. And for the first six months, I was like, Phew. This is intense. You know, we did kind of know going into it that she was, she wasn't like a happy puppy. <laughs> she wasn't a happy rescue who came up, even if they're nine years old, wagging their tail. She was traumatized severely. Nobody would take her. So the pound, uh, a rescue took her from the pound so that it, she would live because no one would take her. And then we ended up taking her from the rescue. And, um, you know, so sometimes there's those challenges, but even the challenges you can work through. And now three years later, she's still on medication. But she has turned into the sweetest, like she's four years old now. We got her when she was a year old. She has a heart of gold. She is so sweet and so much love. And she still has some anxiety barking. That's really her only thing. She adores me. She follows me absolutely everywhere. I have three dogs. This one is on me constantly. If I didn't have the office door closed, she'd be sitting on me right now. She just, and it's like, wow, you know what? It kind of makes me kind of emotional. Like at some point in our life, we have all been broken. We have all had shit go down. We have been um, not very compatible with the people in our lives. And sometimes we've just been lost and don't know what to do. Sometimes we legitimately have anxiety or panic attacks or PTSD and we don't know how to cope. But what we really need is each other because she has brought so much joy into my life. She has taught me so much about myself and has brought so much joy and she needed someone to love her. So it's just kind of a beautiful win-win. <laughs> it really is. And, and you can bring joy to the animal and also mm -hmm. they, they, they are designed to bring joy to us. Yes. I think. That's, yes. that's one of the things that they're here for, by the way, we're talking with Anne Scotland and she's written the book live for joy, I want you to go to her website, which is annscotland.com, oddly enough, and you can pick up the book. You can find out all about her. She's got courses. She's got classes. She works one-on-one -on -one with people all the time and can help you get through some of the crap that we all had to go through to get to a happy life and, and a joyful mm -hmm. existence. And, uh, and that's the goal, I think, for everybody, but a lot of us fall short of it or don't even believe it's possible. Do you run into people like that? Oh, all the time, all the time. I think a lot of the people, you know, I do, um, I do a lot of, uh, I do corporate work, I do group work, group coaching, and I do individual coaching. I think a lot of people that come to me at first, especially in group coaching, and then often they'll go in into the further into the one-on-one -on -one work, is like, I just didn't think this was possible. I just didn't think I was ever going to be happy. I just didn't think I would ever want to get up in the morning. Um, I've had all these bad things happen to me. I'm damaged. I think of my little rescue dog, right? I'm damaged and I just don't see like, what's the point? What's life worth living? All I think is sad thoughts. I just didn't think it was possible to live in a joyful space and working with them and watching that transformation, whether it's finding new joy in their job, 
um, the power of joy in your job, which is uh, transforming your attitude around your work and finding the things that make it really exciting to go to work or finding work that makes you excited or whether it's your life, you know, finding that relationship, um, just finding new sense of purpose. What's your meaning and purpose in life? What's your vision? Um, what is your purpose in the world? Like so many people don't know. And once you start identifying those things um, with some, some moral support and some coaching, it's amazing to see what people can do and just amazing the transformations they get to witness. And the two questions, and I've said this quite a little bit lately, but the two questions that I get a lot from people are, number one, why am I really here? Mm-hmm. And number two is, is this all there is? Actually, they start out with, is this all there is first? Mm. And then they migrate into, why am I really here? Mm-hmm. Because if this is all there is, I must not be here for but I feel like I need to be here or mm-hmm. I need to follow my passion. I need to, to feel like maybe I need to feel mm-hmm. a lot of us just don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that question, those are great questions. I mean, is this all there is? Um, and we have to take a little responsibility for it because we've all experienced damage from other people, from life itself, sometimes yeah. even genetically, sometimes predisposed, I can't talk today. Predisposed. <laughs> Predisposed. <laughs> Predisposed to to challenges like anxiety, to depression, to physical physical challenges. You know, and is this all there is? Well, if you expect some big voice from the sky to come booming down and give you an answer, I hate to tell you, you'll probably be sorely disappointed, or else you'll be very fortunate if you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what'll happen. <laughs> When you get that, if you did get that great big booing, well, you wouldn't believe it. No, and the next morning you'd wake up and like, I must have dreamed. That didn't really happen. That didn't really happen. Yeah. Yeah. Because, but, like, but you know, what you can, go ahead. No, no. But what, what you can do is um, start identifying whether, what, you know, why are you really here? And sometimes it's not an answer that's given to you, it's an answer that you get if you want the answer. You get to explore it. And that's such so much fun to explore with people. Why am I really here? And you get to kind of identify that based on your gifts, your talents, your passions. Um, a lot of finding meaning and purpose in life comes from living in a joyful space, doing what you love and, and bringing joy to other people. When you start just when you can move out of the space of poor me, which is a very dark, lonely space and into how can I brighten the lives around me, which in turn brightens your own? Then you start seeing like a dramatic. Now, you know, there is a reason why you're here. You know, it's interesting that you that you say that because it just popped in my mind that years ago when I was young and spry and could move around quite a bit, I was a waiter in a restaurant. I did several of them and a busboy and and a bartender and all that sort of thing. The biggest joy that I had in my life was if I could, I don't know if you've ever been in food service, but if, then, then, you know, if you've, if you have a section and you have that section moving and everybody's happy and everybody's they're they're enjoying their meal and you're getting everything to them on time, everything's working out. Well, I, I got a, a real sense of accomplishment and joy out of that. Mm-hmm. And that's was in my mind, you know, some people would say, yeah, but you were just a waiter. No, I was serving these people and making them happy at that, at that level. And that made me happy, which became kind of the theme for my life. Wow. And that is so key. What you just said, Kevin, because it doesn't matter so much what you do for your job, let's say, as how you choose to experience it. Yes. Sometimes you have an opportunity to change careers or change jobs. Not every day. Not everyone should quit their job just because it's not going well right now. Some people should. Some people shouldn't. But let's just say how you relate to the tasks at hand. I've been so fortunate to travel all over the world and meet so many different kinds of people in so many countries. And every walk of life, religion, politics, language, ethnicity, everything you can possibly think of, differences. And some of the happiest people I've met have been in some of the poorest countries. And they're so proud of the basket they wove, or they're so proud of the crops that they, you know, the watermelon field that they have grown and they're selling, cutting you and, you know, cutting fresh fruit for you and letting you enjoy it. They're so proud of, of just being alive and happy to see you as a human being. And, you know, their, their physical health may not be ideal. 
their circumstances, their economics may not be ideal, but throwing yourself into what's in front of you for and to just get a satisfaction out of doing it well, as opposed to, oh, if I'm not rich or famous, I'm somehow a loser. It's a very different kind of attitude. I agree. I agree. When we were in Hawaii one time, we were on Kauai, and there was a guy that was doing mangoes, and he was just had a little table at the end of the road, and he would pick mangoes from his orchard, and he'd bring them down there, and he'd sell them to all the tourists. He had a great time, a great life. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 he's not the kind of person who's probably asking, is this all there is? No. He knew that he was just having a good time. Just being alive and just embracing the moment. And a big piece of that doesn't mean that you don't have issues at home, doesn't mean any of that. It just means being present in this moment. Um, you know, can you find pleasure in washing the dishes? I mean, some people like it. Most people don't. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. I'd much rather cook. But, you know, can you actually find pleasure in just completing a task instead of like, oh, my God, I have to do this? What if you change the change the attitude and just be like, you know what? Since I'm going to do this anyway, I might as well just have fun with it. I might as well just, how can I do this more creatively? How can I do it more efficiently? Turn it into a challenge instead of just like, this is just awful, right? I, you know, I've always been kind of that a, a, a looking half, half full kind of guy. And when I was young, I would make a game out of it. Even when I was a graveyard dishwasher at Denny's. Wow. I, and it was downtown Seattle, and it was 1130 to midnight at night. And I was, my job, I wanted to make sure that no more than one bus tub was in, in, needed to be done for the entire night and stuff like that. So I made a game of it. And if you make a positive game out of it, and now go down one generation. My youngest son was working at Costco, and he was working in the uh, produce department, and he was stocking shelves. One of the things that he would have to do is to take the empty boxes to the dumpster and break them down when he had to walk through the store to do that. I was looking for a new TV, and I see this kid come walking towards me who was like he was on the Baton Death March. It it was the most—he looked like the saddest individual that had been abused. Oh, Lord, life is awful. And this was my own son who was acting that way. And I pulled him aside and I said, do you know that you're not going to get any promotions this way? And he said, but why not? He said, because you look like you hate your job. Well, I do. Well, you need to either get another job or find something about your job that you like. And so that was my fatherly advice, which by the way, he didn't take it all. <laughs> As kids are wont to do. <laughs> As kids are wont to do. <laughs> No, but that's the key right there. Absolutely. So when people are looking, when people are talking to me about, should I change careers? It's like, okay, well, yeah, exactly. Either, either decide that you're going to find the redeeming factors in your job and be grateful for the income that you're generating that's enabling the other parts of your life to work well, or, you know, um, look for a new job. But to just People like to, we like to feel as humans that we're a victim of our circumstances instead of taking charge of our circumstances. We feel very entitled when we're a victim because we can just say, oh, the world is out to get me. I have terrible luck. As opposed to my attitude about this is literally determining my future. I have, can I tell you one quick story about this? And this actually changed a great deal of how I behaved at, at work. Okay. So it's, uh, I was working in a, it's a fine dining restaurant. It's next to a bar in a hotel. And, uh, I was the last waiter on and the restaurant closed at 10 at five to 10. And there was nobody else in the restaurant, which meant that I was going to get to go home at 10 o'clock if nobody else showed up. And so out comes strolling out of the bar, a party of six guys in suits had been drinking for several hours, but they were, they were, I mean, they were fine. Um, but, and they came and, and the hostess sat them and I was like, I want to go home. I don't want to be here for another hour and a half. And so I took an attitude with them that was, shall we say less than jovial, <laughs> less than cordial. It was like, yeah, what do you want? You want to do? And, and, and the guy at the end of the table 
when while one of the other guys was ordering, he uh, he said, "Hold on, hold on, everybody, wait a minute." He looked at my name t- name tag, and he said, "You know, Kevin, we can do this one of two ways. You can continue being an ass, and you're still going to wait on us, and you're going to get um, home late, and but you're not going to make any money, and you're not going to get a tip." Or you can change your goddamn attitude and you can enjoy our company. If you do that, I will take care of you. Your choice. I just, I just stood there dumbfounded because I, I didn't. I mean, he was absolutely right. Um, but it, the whole thing was up to me. It was my choice of whether or not I wanted to. Since it, everything else is already going to happen anyway. Right. Be there, and I was going to have to take care of them and stuff. They had, you know, we had a, they had a choice or I had a choice and, uh, and he was a bright enough man uh, to be able to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's genius. And I think uh, within reason, sometimes preferably with tastefully done, kind of calling each other on our own <laughs> shtick yeah, yeah, and call- saying, <laughs> you know, like you know, what he did was um, unconventional, what he said. But look at the impact it made on you because he wasn't being mean. He wasn't being demeaning. He was just saying, dude, it's apples to apples here, but some are rotten and some are golden. What do you want? I mean, (laughs) it's your choice. If you want to have a lousy time, you can have a lousy time. But your everything. And then and, and of course, a lot of a lot of waiters will go through that. And they'll and they'll give them either lousy service so they won't do their best, and then the guy doesn't tip, and then <laughs> says, Why? he didn't even tip me. What is, you know? So we we tend to make victims out of ourselves yes. needlessly because we make stupid choices sometimes. Because we always want to justify it. We always want to justify it. But you know, I'll take that to a step further, which is a lot of people will say, "Yeah, but I just am so, I want to feel happy. I want to have a good attitude. I just don't even know how to get there." Yeah. How do I get there? How do I, how do I shift out of this pattern of kind of negative thinking? I just can't seem to break free of this attitude. I want to, I just don't know how. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of the kind of work I do with people, whether it's in groups or one-on-one, or even if you just get the book, live for joy, right. And check it out. It's about um, a lifestyle, a philosophy of living that helps you shift your thinking into um, creating the kind of life you want. Um, thinking outside yourself and thinking about bringing joy to others, which will bring joy to you. I mean, it's, it's, it's not complicated. And I think that's where it's, that's where I love to see people discover that it's not complicated. Everyone's like, well, if this, and if that, and if the other hundred things, all the stars line up at once, then maybe I'll be happy. So that's not going to (laughs) happen. No, no. My philosophy is, uh, if you are happy, you will be happy. Or if you be happy, you will create happiness around you. Yes, um, absolutely. No, it's, and, and that, but sometimes we need help with that. Sometimes we need a group or a coach or a friend or someone who can say, hey, like, how do I go through whatever that is, um, um, you know, transforming my mindset or the mental jumping jacks or you know, you know what my mom used to say. How I wish you just need to go get an attitude adjustment. And I always thought, well, how <laughs> do you have tools for that? Like, how am I supposed to? This is like carburetor. I mean, go get an attitude adjustment. Well, how? I'm not happy right now. <laughs> I just remember hating that phrase so much. But it is true. But I think if you're going to tell someone that, you should provide those tools <laughs> so that they can realize it's not that hard. It's not that hard. And life is never going to be perfect. And like I said. Again, and I'm just repeating this because it's made such an impact on my own life. The happiest people I have met, some of the happiest people I've met have been the people that would often seem to be the least fortunate. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I've, I've interviewed several people that have been overseas and have been, one was in uh, Haiti mm-hmm. and another one was in, uh, well, I, Barcelona, not Barcelona, but in, in, um, in Africa. Oh, yeah. And they said these people got nothing. They're mm-hmm. they're lucky if they have a loincloth, mm-hmm. um, and and they have to walk five miles to water, but they're happy. Mm-hmm. It's 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 and we, you know, if if the car if the car wash is full, um, and we can't get in right away, and we have to wait, that makes us unhappy. We're just so oh my happy. goodness, 
and I have flown so much recently, and the the behavior I've seen on planes recently <laughs> <laughs> by adults, can I just say? I mean, you know, it just it kind of floored me. I'm like, okay, the crew is doing their best. They can't help it that there's a thunderstorm. They can't help it that there's a delay. They can't help it that, you know, the seatbelt sign's still on. They can't help. And, you know, these completely grown adults who are whining and carrying on. And I was, I, I just got back actually this morning at three o'clock from New York City. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little jet lagged as we speak. <laughs> you're, you're doing really well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But I did have a couple cups of coffee today, to be fair. But yeah, so these people, they're just kind of, um, I was sitting next to a lady last night and, and, and she was, I was near the back of the plane, maybe the last 10 rows. And she was just so angry that the plane wouldn't empty faster. What is going on? What is wrong with people? I'm like, well, it's like one in the morning. People are tired. They all have luggage. We're like 70, 80 seats back. So there's a lot of people in front of you. And, and, you know, she's to kind of, and then she gets on her phone in the plane and starts talking loudly, complaining to whoever's going to pick her up and kind of, you know, like projecting her issues for the whole plane to hear. And we're all just like, oh my word, really? So what about having that attitude is possibly going to improve your circumstances? <laughs> oh, and they didn't want to hear that either. Yeah, no, but so true. So true. When we go into the justification of why we're being wronged or why we're being inconvenienced, it typically only makes us more unhappy. That's absolutely, it, it does. And, and it feeds on itself yeah. because <laughs> then it'll become the light took too long or I'm hitting every red light or, or something else will come up and, and you can, you can start out and you, you can actually before you even leave your house in the morning, you can ruin your entire day by your mindset. Absolutely. Because it does follow. And, you know, no matter where you are on the spectrum of manifesting or not manifesting, but you can go to the scientific side, even about the vibration, um, our mental patterns and how we're interacting with our own environment. And I won't even try to go into that right now. But if you wake up in the morning and how many times have you been in a hotel or even your own bedroom? And you go around the corner of that bed and you whack your shin on that square footboard, you know, like ding your, ding your, ding the front of your shin first thing in the morning. And yep. that just sets you off for the day. And then the whole, then, then you drop a glass in the kitchen and the breaks and you have to clean it up before you can leave for work. And then, then the car is almost out of gas. And then, you know, you hit terrible traffic. And again, it's, it's what we're focused on is what you will see more of. That's the simple for you, formula. The simplest version of that discussion is what you're focused on is what you will see more of because your mind is brilliant. It's like, oh, we're focusing on this. Okay, I'm, I'm brilliant. So I'm catching right up with you here. I will keep focusing on all those negative things. Pretty soon you do trip over the dog. You do, you know, slam your finger in the door. You do pretty soon. It's like just it almost starts creating these negative situations as opposed to, yes, I hit the shit on the bed and... Uh, a few, a few choice words. And then, well, at least I'm vertical. At least I have legs to walk on. At least I have the opportunity to get, you know, this day. And even if the glass breaks in the kitchen, it's like, well, thank goodness I didn't cut myself. I'm not bleeding to death. Just having, ah, Kevin, the biggest piece of this, finding your joy. You don't have to be a funny guy to develop a sense of humor about living. The oh, there's a bumper sticker. Success you could possibly have. Yeah, you don't have to be a fine, be a funny guy to find a sense of humor about living. The best way to live is finding a sense of humor because when you start projecting that over your misfortunes and getting a laugh out of it and changing the energy and just being in the moment and you know, life is crazy and awkward and uncomfortable and ridiculous things happen. But when you have that attitude then you get more of that. You get more laughs in the day. You you start to see the funny side of life instead of everything just being so horrible and depressing and, and you know, how you're a victim of all your circumstances. It's just um, the pattern you follow. And by the way, if you look at it from the prism of humor, life is a very funny experience. <laughs> Ironic, if nothing else. <laughs> 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 exactly. Yeah, it's and if you look at it from the standpoint of that's pretty funny right there. It's 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 like that lady 
who was on the airplane, she did not recognize that she was creating an entertainment for everybody else because it's like, lady, there's nothing we can do about it. We'd, I'd help you, but you know, this, what are you going to do? <laughs> right. like, and, no. and, and now her story is going to be on a podcast that's going to live forever because of doing something like that. So the, the ripple effects are huge. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, you can use your own discomfort to exponentially magnify misery upon everyone around you or you can use your discomfort to develop a sense of humor crack a 20 joke that makes those six people in the plane closest to you get a laugh puts everyone in a better mood nothing goes faster or slower but everyone can have a better time have a better perspective have a sense of humor about life if you don't think you make a difference let me just tell you you make a difference I don't care whether you're in person with other people, whether it's virtual with other people, I, I don't care. If you are in this world and have any contact of any kind with other humans, you do make a difference. You get to choose what kind of difference that is. That is entirely up to you. And that's in, that's really empowering. Because you get, you get, if you're gonna have a bad day, you chose it. If you're gonna have a great day, you chose it. If you're gonna have a good day at work, because you decided it's a conscious decision. I'm going to do well at work today and I'm going to do, I'm going to do the best job I can. Yes. Even if it's a job you don't particularly like after you've done that great job, you have pride in yourself. Yes. And I'm going to add to that brilliant wisdom. Some people are going to hear that and say, but I literally don't know how I want to shift that attitude. I want to shift from this negative mindset into having a positive attitude, but I literally like almost want to burst into tears at the thought of it. I don't know what step A to B is. I don't know how to do it. In that case, you need support. You need a support group. You need a coach. You need a friend. You need to listen to positive talk radio. You need to talk to Ann Scotland. You need to do whatever it is you need to do to say, hey, I'm human. I don't have all the answers. Let's work with some people who have learned to do this as you know, part of their lifestyle, as part of their profession, and find these simple steps out because it's not hard. But if you don't have a support system, it's very hard to move from a negative pattern of living that you've embedded in your mind for years into a positive. It takes a little time, but a few tools, a few tweaks. What is the worst that can happen? You'll be just as miserable as you was as you were before. <laughs> but I don't, you know, I don't think that that's even possible. Because I don't you, think so either. <laughs> see, as, that's the worst case scenario. <laughs> nothing as, changes. <clears throat> exactly. See, now you you also you do a lot of groups. Yeah. And I think groups are in, in the most powerful way for people to start understanding that they're not alone in this. Yes. A lot of the commons are, or a lot of problems are very common. Yes. There ain't nothing that that you can do that Anne Scotland has not heard from of before. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> not and, at this point. Yeah, so, so don't take the attitude that you're the only one. It happens to everybody. And so you might as well have a sense of humor about it. Or at worst, just talk to her. She can make you feel better. Oh, thank you. And and having that sense of community, whether it's one on one with your coach or whether it's in a group um, that other people are all going through it, that you're not alone because the, the worst is feeling like you're the only unhappy person in the world and you're all alone. And that's not true. But unless you're willing to reach out and connect with some people with tools, um, you do have to take the first step. But there's hope and there's joy. And let me just say, choosing to live for that life of joy doesn't make life perfect, but it sure makes it a whole lot better. Makes it a whole lot more fun. It sure does. It sure does. And, and you, you know, for being jet lagged, you've done a really nice job, but <laughs> I'm you. not going to keep you because you need to go night night now. I should. I think I was up 23 hours yesterday. So yeah, that's probably a good, good idea. I'm going to go get <laughs> yeah. some exercise first though, because it's a beautiful day. I'm going to go clear my mind and get some great oxygen, some great outdoors, play with my dogs and then crash and sleep like a baby. That's what I'm going to do. That sounds like a beautiful plan. Beautiful plan. Anne Scotland's been our guest. Go to annscotland.com. Get the book, Live for Joy, and uh, call her. She can help. And she does it virtually. She does it in person. And she is, uh, and she might even invite you kayaking. Who knows? You might get to go kayaking. Yeah. And that's spelled A N N E. 
S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N, so Anne with an E in Scotland, not the country, but ending in L-I-N.com. Also, my book is on there, Live for Joy. And uh, you can reach out to me on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, I would love to hear from you. would love to chat with you. And I do an Instagram Live on Monday mornings, too. And I'm always looking for guests to come on and ask a simple question. So, Kevin, maybe I'll see you there or one of you listening today. That would be so much fun. I'll ask the question. Why am I really here? <laughs> and, and, we'll, and we'll see how long that takes to answer. So. <laughs> that would be fun. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. With you. And you're, I'll send you the invite back. You're always welcome. Thank you. I'll be back. Awesome. 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 Stay right there. I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.